Hey guys, my guest tonight, me and Karen Clark, is going to be talking about PTSD in the first half, and in the second half, haunted objects. I'll be right back. Grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening, everybody. Happy Friday. I hope you had a great week. I hope you're going to enjoy your great weekend. Give me a second here. I uh, <laughs> I was so busy this week that I forgot to send Karen a join-in link, so let me get that done. And then we will get the show. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour, barring any unforeseen circumstances. Computers dying, etc. Okay, let me get this over to her so I can get her on the air. Um, I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team. Here we go. There we go. My mistake. Okay. Anyway, I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team, based out of Sacramento. We are 45 strong up and down the state. Oh, I see. Okay. I keep going blinkies back there. Good Lord. It's going to be one of those days. Anyway, um, which means that we can help you from whatever location you're at. It may take us a while to get to you because California is huge. People don't realize how huge it is. We could be our own country, literally. I mean, that's how big we are. So uh, in that case that we can't get you right away, we do have psychics like Karen on staff who can call you and talk to you about what may or may not be going on. And in most cases, they can calm down stuff until we can get out there. And I guarantee we don't get out there, you know, it's usually, the max is usually three days before, you know, we get out to a place that's out in the rural. So it's not that big, it's not that long a time. But for you, the client, it would be because of stuff going on, okay? But we will get out to you. You want to find us, you can find us on YouTube. Under California Haunts, there's two pages for that. California Haunts Radio, the Sacramento Sears, which Karen is heading. That is C-E-E-R-S, as in Greek and Roman times. Okay, Sears. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at GhostyGal. That's all lowercase. You can find me on on YouTube, I believe, at, at California Haunts. I'm sorry, t- Twitter, California Haunts. Okay. Um Twitch, I think we're Cal Haunts, and then TikTok, we're California Haunts. Now, if you want to find our YouTube page, that's youtube.com forward slash at California Haunts Radio. So that's the easy way to find that. That being said, here comes where I pitch, you guys. If you're watching from Facebook tonight and you like what you see in here, or you haven't done so already, please hit that follow button. Also, uh, share it. Share it around. We're trying to get the word out. You know, the more people that, that see this, uh, it's, it's just a good thing, right? Just get followers and stuff. Also, um, along that line with Facebook and YouTube, because on YouTube, if you haven't subscribed yet, please do so, if you like what you see in here. There's 800 and some change of videos sitting over at YouTube. And if you go in there and you try to look at them all at once, I'm driving nuts. So I've been putting things into categories. So like, if you want to see things on ghosts or alien abductions and things like that, you can find a folder for that and just go in and you can find which guest you want. 
that you want to hear for, for that particular um, section. Just like Nancy Mass has her own folder for you guys that like that, like Nancy's work. Uh, last, when it was a Tuesday, we did readings, live readings here. So you might want to check those out. But uh, yeah, same, same thing. You know, I'm, I, I would love it if you guys would share these videos, especially if you're on YouTube, you know, with somebody. Especially if you came over from TikTok to watch YouTube today. You know, to share, share, share. You know, we're just trying to get the word out about this stuff. And also subscribe. I mean, I, I'm 240 away from 1,000 subscribers right now over on YouTube. Let's hit it. Let's hit it. And I want to thank everybody from the RSS fees, which is iHeartRadio and those places. We're up, you know, we got 94 subscribers, which jumped. We had a huge jump. We had like a 75% jump in, in subscriptions. And I have you guys to thank. And, and uh, hopefully that, that keeps up because I'm really excited about it. Really excited. Okay, that being said, be sure to, if, if you're in the chat room today, be sure to throw, throw out some comments. Show me some love, some thumbs up, some smiley faces. And uh, because what that does is the FYP, so that's the mother. The, that's the mothership for Facebook and for YouTube. Works the same way over YouTube. The more you guys comment, the more you guys leave thumbs up, the more you share, the higher up the computers at YouTube and Facebook will put us out there. And that means we go out to more people. They'll distribute us, right? Yeah, they all, everything works the same. TikTok, same way. So does Instagram. It all works the same. But with this show, we're primarily focused on YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and Twitch. And, oh, yes, California Haunts over at the Meetup. So, yeah, so please be, you know, uh, again, you don't have to leave stuff. It's not mandatory. But if, if you like what you're seeing here today, please be sure to get to show us some love, a thumbs up on both YouTube and Facebook, depending where, depending where you're watching from, and comment, comment in the chat room. Okay, that being said, Karen Clark is a medium, is a medium who has been with my team probably, I, I, I've been doing ghost hunting for 18 years, okay? And I got a note here, let's see who it is. Karen. All right, so I've been doing ghost hunting for 18 years, and 15 of those years, 14, 15 of those years have been actually, I'm going to say, no, I'll take it back. Seven, um, 17 of those years have been on with my own team. And I'm happy to say a lot of the people that started with me in the beginning are still with me on this team, my paranormal team. Karen Clark is one of those people. I ran into her, I think, two years into running my own team, and she's never left. She's been on this team ever since. Like I said, I, I tend to retain people on, on this team, and I'm really, you know, it helps when you're doing cases. So I trust Karen's judgment and her readings a lot. She, she's an excellent medium, and I've seen I've seen a lot of stuff with her. I've seen, uh, you know, that whole, like, Whoopi Goldberg with, with stuff, with people ju jumping into her and stuff. I've seen Karen do that kind of work. So Karen is very, very good. She's very accurate. And so I'm really excited to have her on, and we're, we are branching out into our own, well, kind of like a separate thing where we're going to have a separate show probably on Saturday nights over on YouTube. And we're gearing up to hit that 3,000 follower mark on TikTok as well because that means I can start doing shows over there. And what happens is that when I hit that mark, they have software where they can also watch from YouTube here. Okay? Or, or from not YouTube, but directly from TikTok. So that'll be, that'll be really nice when I hit that. I got a ways to go, but uh, uh, it'll get there. It'll get there. Anyway, welcome, everybody. We're going to have some different topics tonight. We're going to be talking about PTSD. And uh, I've got a lot of experiences with PTSD. I'm not a doctor. Karen is not a doctor. She's a retired LVN. Okay? So she is a nurse. 
But uh, just we'll just get that out front that Karen's not a doctor either. But we're going to be talking about PTSD, and then that that'll be for the first half hour, and then the last half hour we're going to be talking about objects and, and haunted objects, and what why haunt and why are there haunted objects? Objects, what makes them retain that particular energy? Okay, you know, to to be said haunted, like Robert the Doll and things like that. So we're going to be talking about that. Anyway, let me bring Karen in, get the show on the road, and uh, yeah, let's talk about some PTSD. Hello. Hi, Charlotte. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Happy Veterans Day out there to all Absolutely. that have served. Absolutely. You know, the show is very fitting today because all the veterans and military that have served in uh -huh. our country, a lot of them do have PTSD. Yes, they do. Actually, I had a cousin that had it really, really, really bad when he got back from Vietnam. You know, so, yeah, they, they do. And it's sad. But, I mean, when, when I think when you're bombarded with that type of energy, plus, you know, the bombs going off, machine guns going off, you're bound to, to have lasting emotions from that. Right? I mean, you're watching. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's like my ghost team. It's like we go on a ghost hunt. And then all of a sudden, it's, it's like one of those uh, horror movies where you guys start dropping off. One, one at a time, and then and then it, it gets scary. And then the next ghost time I go on, I'm scared to go because I'm afraid they're going to get me or they're going to get somebody else again. You know, so oh, absolutely PTSD works in different ways. So tell tell everybody about PTSD, and uh, we'll we'll go from there. Well, tonight I'm going to talk on a personal level, unless on a medical level, because I'm not a medical professional. Right. But on a personal experience, I uh, was diagnosed with complex PTSD about 12 years ago uh, when tragedy hit my life. My sister, Colleen, committed suicide. And within that duration, Michael's mother died. We were very close. Um, I was diagnosed with a, uh, thank God it was benign, but it was an abnormal tumor. I had major surgery that did not go very well. I lost my cousin, Michael. Um, just a lot of things hit me at once. Mm -hmm. So uh, I did get PTSD. I was professionally helped for it. Um, I had a really, really great uh, psychiatric and psychology team. And um, I think that it's a lot more common in people than everybody realizes. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I think it is, too. I've had my own bouts of PTSD. I still, I still am suffering from that. You know, I was a person... I'm not going to say I was super healthy because I, you know, was always having pneumonia in the summer. You know, any time of year, you know, I'm like a magnet for for pneumonia. Uh, but to me, that was a minor. That, that was minor. Aches and pains with my back. I'm not saying it was minor, but it, it wasn't anything life threatening. Now, when I ended up being uh, this whole heart failure thing and getting um, diagnosed with that, that's what gave me the PS the PTSD with doctors. So I'm really afraid to go. Literally afraid to go to doctors. I understand and, that. 
you know, it's like every time I go, just even to my main doctor, my, my GP, I'm thinking something's going to happen with my blood pressure or, or something's going to go wrong. You know, there's going to be something wrong. And that's the issue, too, because this happens with pain management, too. I'm so paranoid about going to doctors, even dentists, that my blood pressure will go up because by the time I get there, I'm just totally keyed up, totally on edge. Right. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not fun. And, you know, it's something I'm trying my best to get over that. I mean, if I can, you know, no, no matter how many times I go in and say, oh, your heart's doing fine and, and all this, I still, you know, it's, it's in the back of my mind that, that I had to go through all that. And I was on the verge of death, you know, at that point, you know, really close to it. I totally get it. But in your experience, how did you realize that, that you were having issues with it? Well, when I was young, younger, uh -huh. I, I'm turning the news off. I can't stand to watch the news anymore. Huh. Um, when I was younger, I had panic disorder. I was diagnosed with panic disorder. And I overcame that. And I was mm -hmm. stable for many, many years. And then, like I said, in 1912, when I had all the tragedy that hit me all at once. Right. I didn't really have panic disorder that came back. But then I, I know I developed PTSD. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, that happened too. Because I had a year like you had. And... It wasn't fun, you know. I, I lost, I lost animals. I lost my my brother. I lost my my uncle, my cousin. Uh, we, you know, we lost Monica the year before, but Matrina, you know, on our team and stuff. So that was a bad year. It wasn't a very good year, and I had to take a short. I mean, I was on the radio show, but as you know, Karen, not that I checked out, but I, I did take a, I did take a break because I just couldn't handle it anymore, and then I couldn't see myself going out looking for dead people. You know what I mean? <laughs> because I it's just. It all kind of melded in, you know. And I've done EVP work where my father's voice comes through, you know, when I'm in the wow. field. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to hear hear my brother or anything like that. So, you know, I, I had to take that break, you know. But of course, we're getting back into doing stuff. But PTSD will do that. And my dog, I had a dog that had PTSD, and we still don't know the truth of what really happened to her. But a lot I remember is that if I had her out front and a lawnmower turned on or a, uh, you know, something without a muffler would come by in a real loud vehicle. She gets so upset, but the worst was lighter fluid. If somebody was barbecuing and she could smell that first part, you know, when you first light the fire and lighter fluid has that weird smell, this dog would go take off and, and run to my front door and she would climb up the front door to, just to get away. So I don't know what the, what the deal is with that, you know, but can yeah. you tell us how, okay. You know, you talked about, yourself about the PTSD. Do you know how it, are there different ways that PTSD works as far as, you know, what happens to you when you have it? Are there certain things that. Yeah. That... There, there's cardinal signs that uh -huh. a person gets when they have PTSD. A lot of times you have night tears, tachycardia. Mm -hmm. uh, it can hit you out of the blue. Yeah, like you'll be watching TV. That kind of goes with panic disorder too. But um, you get triggered by things that have happened in the past, mm -hmm. and it, it triggers you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've seen like you know, friends or and my cousins. Uh, my cousin that you know I was talking about earlier, 
how any kind of war movie on TV can't do it because it brings back those memories right away. Oh, sure. You know, yeah, there a lot of times, um, different empirical senses can hit, such as, uh, you know, smelling a certain scent, yes, or, um, hearing a song, seeing an image, and, uh, you know, I think that PTSD has common, like a common denominator of, of signs and mm -hmm. symptoms, but it does hit everybody a little bit differently too. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I find the study of that interesting because I can understand it. You know, I can understand what a, somebody that was in the war is having trouble, you know, when he gets back trying to adapt to the, the cars backfiring and things like that. Right. And you're right. It's going to affect you in, in different ways as well that you don't even realize, you know. Um, when you were a nurse, did you run into people that, that had PTSD or, or was that a different department or how did that work? Oh, definitely. When I worked in women's health, I, I ran into quite a few women, young women, older women, um, that did have uh, PTSD, you know, from being abused by partners, mm -hmm. uh, growing up in a, a bad household, or just, you know, going through loss. And, um, of course, I'm not a, a therapist, but... right. I, I worked with a, a brilliant surgeon, Dr. Z, and uh, she would always prescribe books to read. A lot of times they were metaphysical books or uh -huh. spiritual books because we don't want to get into religion, of course. Right. But they were really good books to read to help the patients hopefully, you know, recover whatever they were recovering from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that a case where, you know, you get someone to read stuff, it's just, it just gets their mind out of that zone, you know, to where they have to focus on what's in the book, right? That's correct. That's what I thought. <laughs> I'm not laughing at PTSD, guys. I'm not. I'm just saying that that's what I thought. You know, it, it's, 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 it's one of those hidden things to that. Hey guys, my guest tonight, medium Karen Clark is going to be my way. Okay. Oh, I got you back. Wrong button guys, as usual. You got me twice. But anyway, um, <laughs> I need bigger buttons. But anyway, uh, the way I was going with this is that it doesn't show it. So sometimes it doesn't show up right away, right? I mean, this could be something down the line. Like you say, something happened when you were a kid and then when you're an adult, you know, you see or hear something and it brings that memory back, right? That's right. That's exactly right. So many things can trigger it off. And I think the key thing is getting the right professional help, getting on medication if need be. And like you've done a lot of shows on meditation. Meditation can help too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of there's a lot of you know scripts out there for stress, you know, for anti-stress medication, meditation. I can say medication, anti-stress, you know, and stuff like that that you can do at home. That's right. 
And some of these cases, in some of the cases, they're already pre-recorded, so all you have to do is just play them back on your computer or your phone and just get into that uh, state, you know, to, for the uh, guided meditations. What is going on today, my voice? With me. I think I'm talking too fast. But yeah, so there's ways to do that. And I've been teaching meditation, what, for the last three months, you know, and I have a regular gal that comes in to meditate, and it's wonderful. It's a wonderful feeling. And when you get done meditating, you'd be surprised how invigorated you feel. And also, yeah, meditation is great. Also, the stigma of having PTSD, mm -hmm. you know, that's one thing that we need to uh, learn how to accept. Mm -hmm. That having PTSD should not be stigmatized. No. No. It's just sad how many people actually have it. You know, you don't realize it until you start looking stuff up online, you know, and, and, and you start reading the stories about it. And, I mean, it affects a lot of people in the U.S. It does. And and I think we discussed this, but highly creative people are prone to get it as well. Mm -hmm. Such as you and I. <laughs> yes. I, like I say, I admit it. I fully admit that I have it. And I can tell because anytime I go to an appointment, even for my my, my pain medication, my blood pressure is off the charts. Because oh, I'm just you have like what they call the white coat syndrome. Yeah, I have the white coat syndrome. With doctors and stuff. So I mean, but I can't help it. It's just what happened, it's what happened. I'm just paranoid about my heart and getting sick again, I guess. Or then find it's like the blood test. You know, I'm I'm scared to death they're gonna find something on the blood test. So I'm paranoid about that. Now, when you think about this stuff, and you know, can you tell us about? I mean, you mentioned that there's several kinds of, of PTSD. Can you mention a couple of them for people? I know you're not a doctor. I'm not a doctor, but uh, since we're talking I, about this, well, I know there's like different levels of PTSD. There's complex mm -hmm. PTSD. There's anxiety disorders. Um, it just depends. And going to the right professional, they can diagnose it correctly. If you're married to somebody, how can you tell if they're having issues with that? That's a really good question. I mean, because you know them the best, right? Because, I mean, this is, you know, you've been living with them all this time, so you should be able to, like, see changes in their personality or something, right? Right. I, I would think so. Mm -hmm. Is it hard to diagnose from your experience? Um, I don't know if it's hard to diagnose, but it does. It's something that should not be taken lightly. And one mm -hmm. thing that I have an issue with as being a middle-aged woman is that a lot of times doctors, mostly male doctors, will find that they use a woman's age as an excuse why uh -huh. they have a, a, a disorder. Oh, you're, you're a middle-aged woman. You're going through the change. Yep. This is going to happen. And a lot of times women are not taken seriously enough. I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. And that's what I've heard too. I mean, you know, when, like I said, before I got diagnosed with, with heart failure, 
I heard that a lot. I mean, I would go in in the nurse in the doctor, the nurse practitioner would tell me, she'd say, Oh no, you're at that age where you're going through the change. So your emotions are going to be up and down, you know, because of your hormones and all this and all that. And I said, no, I think it's something else. You know, I'm paranoid about doctors. So I never got, I never got tested or medicated for it. Mm -hmm. But I'm kind of glad in a way, because the way this whole pain, you know, this whole pain management pill thing goes is that the people, this happened to you, right? When you were taking your medication for that, you know, for, you know, that you were prescribed by, by a psychiatrist and you were taking pain meds, you, yeah. you, know, you suddenly realized you couldn't take both together because right. this is what's happening to a lot of people. A lot of people are on, uh, you know, anti-depression uh, pills and all this stuff. But if they're on pain medication, they have to choose one or the other. Yeah. Right. And, and I think every situation is different. Mm -hmm. It depends on the person's diagnosis, their history, mm -hmm. their health history, everything has to be taken into consideration before a doctor writes a care plan and, and prescribes the necessary medication. Mm -hmm. I think that would be a horrible choice to make, you know, because you need, you need your pain medication to function, but then again, you, you also need the Ativan. We'll say, you know, we'll say the A one, we'll say Ativan, right? It's in, right. so you're an, an advent taker. And you really want to have a level life, you know, frame-wise. And that's what the ad, the advent's for. But to give that, to have to take that choice, do I want to be, have mobility so I can move around, you know, with the pain pill? Or do I want to have my mind, you know, calm down with advent? And I, I just cool. feel so bad. I feel so bad for these people that have to make that choice. I do too. But I'm seeing it more and more, you know, because I hang out. Well, you hang out on those forums, too. A lot of the pain pages, you know, on Facebook for pain patients and stuff. And there's so much of that. There's so much of that where they've had to make, had to make that choice. Yeah. And, and a lot of times, you know, um, with the cost of health care, mm -hmm. a lot of mm -hmm. patients don't have the luxury of affording adequate health care. Yep. And that's part of the problem, too. Yep, that is part of the problem. Speaking of which, let me just say this, and I'm not going to point fingers at anybody or anything like this. I got a letter from the county today, and it was for dental. And that's all I'm going to say about that. When I went through all that mess with the dentist trying to get my, you know, get, get my tooth done, and they messed up. The dentist messed up the x-rays. Hmm. So they had to be reset back. So that was another delay before I could get work done. And... I just kind of got a bad taste in my mouth with the dentist I was assigned to and whatnot. And as it turned out, I got this letter today from County Health saying that that they've added Medi-Cal Dental or something on there. So you have a choice. You can either stay the way it was or it goes through Medi-Cal Dental because they were having problems with the system. Mm -hmm. And so I find I find that interesting. I find, I find that, that it links to what you went through, you know, and all these people that, these poor people that have to make that choice. You know, like you say, if the system's not working, they've got to figure out something to make the system work. Yeah. Do we put uh, meat and potatoes on the table or do we spend that extra money to, to afford health care for our children? Yeah. Or for our elderly? Yeah. Something's got to give. And the other thing I found when I was taking care of my mom and dad 
And this was when they were in their, both in their 80s. You know, well, my, my mom was in the 70s at the time. I did. You know, they get to a certain age. And unfortunately, and I'm not, don't hold me to this. I don't want to get sued by anybody. But I've seen this happening with them where it just seems like all they do is flash that DNR at you, you know, when you're there. Sign this. Have, have her sign this. Have her sign the DNR. And it gets to the point where you start thinking that maybe they don't want to take care of the elderly. Now, maybe it's to that point. They're not going to, you know, the, the, they, they just don't want to put the money and effort into taking care of them because they know that they're going to the, that they're going to go anyway. They're going right. to end up weak and stuff anyway. So they just don't yeah. want to put the hours yeah. in or anything like that. That's so true, Charlotte. When I worked in case management as a UMR coordinator at the hospital, mm-hmm. and we would go to our rounds in the morning, that's before we took care of our patients. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, um, you know, you felt that uh, a, a lot of elderly patients, it was kind of like exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I've always gotten out of, you know, even at the, when my dad would spend time in a recovery home, right, I always had that impression. And it's sad. It's sad that it's come to that. It's really sad. I wish the world was a lot different than what it is. Yeah, me too. So, tell me, I mean, what is it like? I mean, I know what it's like. I know what that is. I know what it's like for me, you know, to have PTSD, you know, with White coat, as you say, have PTSD. I don't like the dark either, so something happened with that. But what's it like for you if you have an attack? Oh, boy. Um, sometimes you feel like you get really dizzy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times your respiration goes up. You get the tachycardia you you um you feel like the ground is falling out from you um oh you can wake up with night terrors mm-hmm. you get diaphoretic really sweaty you can have racing thoughts where you can't right. control you know you have to slow down your mind right Right. And I think it's worse, like like, I, like when I go to the doctor, you know, and, and my blood pressure goes to the moon, it's because all the way over there, I'm I'm thinking of all the negative stuff that, that could possibly happen. And I think for people with PTSD, it, it works similar that way. You know, that's why, like, here it says, you get racing thoughts because you start imagining the conversations that you're going to, like, like, I, like I'm imagining, you know, what I'm going to talk to this doctor about. Is there going to be a fight for my pain medication or isn't it? So by the time I get there, I'm totally wound up. Right. That's really a, a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there is help for people. You know, I know sometimes it's hard to find that help. But there is help for people. I, I'm sure I, I didn't look up any helplines today because, well, I'm, I'm an idiot. But, um, <laughs> but well, there's places you need is What we need is more hope for people yeah. to go in the, you know, people that are unhoused or people that can't afford health care we need intervention mm-hmm. you know employers um religious organizations uh political organizations we need more help yes and and helping those that can't afford it 
or don't have access to it, don't have access to good doctors or medical care uh -huh. or lack of family structure, family support. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And do you think, you know, they're doing those, um, what do they call uh, life tech? life funding now where they're giving uh, people a certain stipend for the month. It might be a thousand dollars. It might be $1,600, but they're giving people a certain stipend, you know, who, who need it. And do they have the option to still go out, look for work and get the stuff that they need. But in the meantime, they don't have the stress of having to worry about where the money's coming from. And they, and they do this all over the world and they're just starting to do it here in California, and um, in fact, there's a, there's two programs out there right now in two different cities that they're doing it in to test it out. What do you think of that? You think that 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 funding for all is good? Oh yeah, I think anything that contributes to helping people, helping themselves, is good. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I think. And to I, me, and to excuse me, sorry, and to me, it would make your stress go down lower, especially when it comes to stuff like like PTSD. You know, it might help with the stress go lower because then you have the funds to go out and get the help you need. That's right. Because like Karen says, right now, unless you know, you you've got your Medi-Cal people, you got your Medicaid, and then the people in between, you know, in between those cracks that have to pay out of pocket, and it's not cheap. No, it it is not cheap. That's part of the problem too. Absolutely, absolutely. So, how long were you at LVN? I'm still licensed, although I stopped practicing about 12 years ago. No, uh -huh. maybe less than that. No, uh -huh. I can't remember. Um, let's see. So I got my, let's see, I got my degree in 2000, and then I got my social science bachelor's um, of arts in 2005. And a couple mm -hmm. other degrees, <laughs> broadcasting degrees, <laughs> other degrees I have never used. <laughs> I think we all do that. I do. Because, our, you know, our directions change all the time. I mean, when I went into college, I had no clue. When I was younger, in high school, I was going to be a forest ranger. That was my gig because I like to be out in nature all the time. But then by the time I got to college, I, I had slowed down a bit. And I, I had fallen in love with, with uh, the culture in Los Angeles and Hollywood and that to where I really wanted to work at a movie at a movie studio, you know, do, oh, either, yeah. either do Foley or something or something, you know, to help make movies. So then I go to college and I ended up a journalist and you just never know how it's going to go because I did take classes. I, I did take recording studio engineering. So I know how to do that stuff. You know, I did take, take, um, production for film, you know, different things like that, had stagecraft, had how to build props and all this stuff. So I was on my way in that direction. You know, I took stage lighting, I took all this stuff, like photography, but it just so happened that journalism kind of popped in because I remember going in and they didn't have any English, English classes open my, my, in my, my, my first year in college. So the only thing that was open was journalism. So I thought, well, it can't hurt. I can get some college level writing out of it. So that's the direction I ended up going, you know, as far as school and stuff went. Isn't but, it funny uh, how we uh, people have their life mapped out in front of them, but it it never goes the way we think it'll go. Uh -huh, uh -huh, but uh -huh. journalism is a awesome. It is awesome. It's it's been a fun career. You know, I can say that. 
I've done a lot. I met a lot of people that I didn't think I was ever going to meet, you know, things like that. But that's what I mean. I mean, so the way I'm going with this is, you know, if people start getting these stipends for cost of living, and that would, to me, that if you're out looking for a job, that would be the nicest thing because you know you've got a consistent income coming in. You can have a nice car to go look for jobs. You don't have oh, to buy a beater. You know what I mean? You don't have to buy a beater because then you can make a car payment. So, I mean, I think it's a win-win all the way around, and I also think it's a win-win for medical as well because the people that are going to work and are sick or PTSD or whatever, right now they're forcing themselves to go in, and this is a way that they wouldn't be a force to go in because that's, they would have that money point. backing them up. Yeah. You know, they have that money in the bank, but, you know, for a backup, which people need. Like you say, you know, there's there's such a huge class difference in the United States. People don't realize it. The haves and the have-nots. It's huge, yeah. right? It's, it's real. It's too huge. Yeah. But getting back to PTSD, you know, a lot of people have it, and it could be anything. It could be anything that triggers it. Maybe you burn your hand on a candle. You know, and then suddenly Halloween comes and you're with, people are whipping out candles and, you're afraid to even deal with it. I mean, it can come in many ways, but it's also something that can that can cause enough issues that you don't you don't even want to leave your house. Oh yeah, they call that agoraphobia. Mm -hmm. When you don't want to leave your house, it's it's part of the whole. Uh, it can be part of panic disorder or PTSD, anxiety disorder, all the above. A little A, B, C, and D. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And that and that's an awful feeling too, agoraphobia. Right. Oh, absolutely. But and there is hope. Go ahead. Go ahead. There, Go ahead. There, there is hope. We need to integrate. We need to get more programs out there for people. Right. To realize how they can get help. Right. Excuse me. I just swallowed. <laughs> uh. We need to, um, you know, take people seriously. Like when they go in for a medical evaluation, you know, if you don't like what your doctor says, then go to a different doctor. Right, right. Yep, you that's why there's evaluations. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're going to shift gears here. First half hour is up. Nice job. Um, we're going to go ahead and talk about haunted objects, which... I'm not okay. Let's clarify that too with, with this stuff with uh, being investigators and stuff. My good friend Gloria Young, who owned Ghost Trackers Investigations up in the Bay Area, when we were first starting out, and Karen did this too. I I put my team through several classes with different ghost hunting teams, so that they would understand the equipment and stuff better. You know, and get to know these people. And um, Gloria Young used to be on the on the speech circuit, so she went to a lot of local library here. And we went ahead with the lecture. And she had a really good point at this lecture. If somebody comes to you that's a paranormal investigator and they tell you that they're an expert, run. All right. There are no experts in this field because we don't know. That's what we're doing this for, is to go in and collect a, collect evidence and and, and and study this stuff to see if we can figure out, you know, the, the, what's going on. But nobody is an expert. And I remember Gloria is saying that, you know, Gloria might have a book out on the paranormal. Somebody else in this field, like me or somebody else in this field, might have a book out about the paranormal. But if you read these books, everybody has a different opinion. 
because that's just how this is. And there's nothing to be ashamed about with it. It's just that's how it is. So that's just my little thing. If somebody comes off as a paranormal expert, there's no experts. The only experts are the people that have died, and, you know, they've seen it before we have. But haunted objects, and that goes along the lines of haunted buildings as well. I don't know if you guys realize it, but walls, especially wooden walls, can retain energy, whether positive or negative. And I would, and my thoughts about objects is that it's the same thing, where an object can can retain whatever negative energy happened in that house, or if it's happy energy or whatever. Okay, and that's why you tend to run into haunted objects. You know, like I'm not going to say Robert the doll because I don't know his history directly, but any object, you have to look at the history. Like when we're out investigating, we have to look, at, we have to talk to the client about the history. While you're having trouble every time, you know, every time you have this this. Uh, fake apple in, in your living room. Is there something going on with this? You know, were there a lot of arguments around this apple or this or that? So that's what we look at as well. Karen, when you run into objects, like haunted objects, what's your view on it? Well, first, I think it's important for anybody that does this kind of work to protect themselves, ground themselves, call in their guardian angels, call in their spirit guide, their God source for protection. Because we don't want anything to to rub off rub off on them. But mm-hmm. my experience with I love psychometry. I remember when I first met Michael, he gave me some gold coins that he got from his bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. And I did a reading on them and I picked up that they were given to him by his grandparents. We used to like to sit out in the backyard and have a brandy, you know, at that Uh time we smoked. (laughs) And um, so that, that was really interesting that uh, I did pick up correctly on, on the coins that he inherited. Um, I'm trying to think other things. A lot of times like jewelry, Yes. Uh, like I have a ring from my great grandmother, Jessel. And um, it's very powerful. It's very, very powerful. When I, when I wear it, I feel her with me. Mm-hmm. Now, being um, a medium, uh, going along with that, and you, you being a medium, do our, okay, do our loved ones visit us all the time and are they attached to certain things? Because I know I've got my, a couple of my mom's hats here. I got my dad's hats here, and I even kept my mom's little collection of tea, you know, of tea kettles. So, I mean, is that stuff? Is that stuff keeping people here in this realm, or are they able to detach from that and go wherever they're going, and then come back all the time? I think a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting? A lot of times, like they say about haunted objects, is that they will fall. Mm-hmm. Or like if you if you walk by them, you might feel like a cold spell or a cold spot. Not mm-hmm. a spell, but a spot. Right. And they can oftentimes fall from a shelf trying to get your attention. Or like it, it could even be a music box that goes off and plays. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Or a TV will turn off and on on its own. Right, right. 
And that being said, I've had cases where a TV has turned off and on by itself. It also, at the same time, is turned on to a program that the deceased person likes. Yeah. You know, I've seen that a few times out in the field uh, doing this. It's, it's really incredible to watch. But objects like anything else, I mean, there's, there's a lot of emotion. I mean, let's say you had a teddy bear. And you adore this teddy bear. And then when you pass away, your essence, like, like Karen said, your essence is still somehow attached to this teddy bear. So then one day it's propped up on your, on your kid's bed and it starts moving, you know, <laughs> kind of like, like a lot of the stories we heard, you know, about different haunted, you know, different haunted dolls and stuff. Right. You know? When Michael and I went to uh, Las Vegas, we went to uh, Zach's museum. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was pretty eerie. I mean, there there were some objects in there that were really very scary. When you go into a place like that, I know I go through that too. Like like the Winchester Mystery House for me. Oh, when I, I was when I went through that place, the air was so still. Yes. It was like it was like walking into a mortuary because mortuaries have that same feeling. That yeah. the air is really still. And that's what it felt like. It felt like a mortuary in that place. Why, you I don't know, know, but it did. I lived very... When I grew up in San Jose, I I lived fairly close to the Winchester Mystery House. And and mm -hmm. a lot of times, we uh, in elementary school, we would take field trips there. And as a child, I, I really didn't understand it. But I remember walking through there and just getting chills. Just absolute chills. It is a different, it's a bizarre place to walk through. Lots of energy there, you know, and like, I believe every second of the stories that, that, that are out there about the Native American presence there because the cowboys use those Winchester guns to kill them. You know, to, oh, to, yeah. To, to destroy the Native Americans. And there's a lot of Native American presence at that house. You know, there's also like the workmen that are still built, you know, that were still building rooms. The construction keep workers. Yeah. It's a bizarre place because, I mean, a lot of, the, you know, a few of the rooms, if you open up a door, you're opening up to the outside. <laughs> There's no room behind the door. And so if you're not careful and you're not paying attention, boom, you fall right out of the house. Oh, yeah. So and uh, the the lady, uh, I, I forget her first name, but Winchester, she inherited the company from her husband. And um, I don't know if she was really mentally ill, but she thought that if she could build a house and construct the house in a way where it would lead to different pathways that it could, you know, um, she would throw the ghost off or the spirits off. Right. Right. I think she was having seance sessions. I think so. Room. And I think that's where the message came through. Yeah. That if she I did this, so. she could keep the demons away because she felt there were oh, dark, right. there was dark energy following her in the house because of that, because of those guns yeah, and the rifles and stuff. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the Washu Club, too. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yes. The Washu Club has a lot of history. Lots like that. You know? Um, when you walk in, as, as a psychic, and you walk into some place like Winchester, what happens to you? I mean, you, you, you get the feelings of like right in your face and it's overwhelming or do they, you know, because the ghosts will pick and choose who they want to talk to. So is that the case that you'll be walking through and some ghost will, will walk over to you? 
The last time I walked through there, I was with my dad and I was giving, um, when I worked for Naveen, I was giving flu shots mm -hmm. and, um, I was, I had a job out in the Bay so my dad went with me and we went and we went to the Winchester mystery house. And when I walked through there, it was like I was transported back in time. Okay. And that I could feel, yeah, it was, it was really interesting. Okay. And you just said that cut you off by accident when you said I could feel, what, 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 what did you feel? Um, I could feel a, a lot of sadness, anxiety. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When you went into the ballroom, you could feel the happiness of the ballroom. Mm -hmm. It was really interesting to see where she slept, her bed. Mm -hmm. I think that house, that house is interesting in that... She took the fortune that she had, and she, and she did do all these nonstop renovations there, you know, to, to do stuff. And I don't think, you know, she might have been a little kooky. I'm not saying she was. I don't know the story behind her. But I just think because of her being at her age, and maybe she was a little paranoid about, you know, having been involved with that company that, that killed so many people or, or, or whatnot, that, she, that, that this is why she started, you know, once she got that first message, this is why she started that whole building thing. She probably had a lot of guilt. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. I agree 100% with that. She had a lot of guilt from how she treated the the workers and mm -hmm. um, the fact that I, I kind of read a little bit about her history a while ago, but I, I forgot. But, oh, my good, goodness, it's a really interesting place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is. It's fascinating. You know, like I said, when you, I don't know if I'm the only one that feels that weird energy. But, um, yeah, when I walk into those places, or that place in particular, it does feel like a, a morgue, even a morgue, you know, a morgue atmosphere, or, like I said, you know, a um, mortuary. Because and the air is so still, it's thick. It's really thick in there. Yeah, it is. You could cut it with a knife. Yes. Yes. Now, the other question I have, because I mentioned it, do the ghosts come to you to talk with you, or do you pick and choose who you want to talk to? Hmm. I think it's, it goes both ways. Uh -huh. I think you can call in spirit. I think you can contact spirits. Right. Right. Definitely it can go either way. Now, has there ever been a place that you've gone where you don't want to talk to the, the beings in there? Hmm. That's a good question. I can't really think of anything right off hand. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's been a couple of graveyards that we visited during uh -huh. our investigations where you just want to steer clear uh -huh. 
of the of the tombstone or where the person's buried. You just want to stay, you know, far, far away. Right. Because you don't want to disrupt their energy. Mm-hmm. Or the fact that they're lying at peace. Right. Right. Shifting back to haunted objects now, if somebody gets a hold of something that is deemed haunted, how do they get rid of it? Do you know? Or is it just, I said, me, I sent it to John's office, the haunted collector. But, you know, you're at home and you realize that, that something's haunted. Do you take it back to where you got it from? Or is it just a case of, of just tossing it out? Or how, how do you handle that? Uh, I, I think. I'm trying to think how I handle it. I usually just appreciate the item mm -hmm. and see what I can get off on the reading, you know, what kind of information comes to me. And then I just make sure I put it back where it belongs. Okay. I think it's important to put an object like that back where it belongs. Right. Uh, there was this story of a woman who wore glasses and the glasses were she inherited or she got the glasses from somebody that died in a in a car accident and the person that had the glasses before had a certain eye disorder and then uh, ironically enough she inherited the same eye disorder wow that's crazy that's crazy. I have heard people, you know, from my, my travels investigating this stuff, I have heard people bringing stuff home. In fact, there was a gentleman out in the Land Park area that we did an investigation, and he liked to travel. And he was into um, totems. You know, like I'm talking like, you know, like, like those faces you see in Hawaii on the statues, you know, statuary like that. Right. And he had a big collection of these things. And while we were there, I don't know if you were there or who was doing that case with me. But the, the, the medium I had with me told me that one of those items was cursed and that was causing a lot of his problems. And, it, and there was a particular mask, you know, a tiki mask. That was causing oh, problems. right. I think they had one of those in um, L.A. at the, well, I can't remember what museum. Uh-huh. But they they have a lot of those uh, masks. Yeah. Yep. And he collected them. So um, when we finally went over and said, "Well, you're going to have to get rid of that other mask, you know, that one mask," he wasn't very happy about it. I mean, mm -hmm. that's what was causing all his problems was that mask, and that whatever that god was that if he picked it or whatever that was attached to it, did not like this guy at all. Didn't like him at all. Oh, I wouldn't think so. You know. But I mean, a lot of the time when I get a cursed object, you know, I mean, you know, we say, well, burn it, do whatever. The only way to do it, like, I agree with John Zaffis and his family in that you have to lock it under under key and make sure that it never gets out to anybody again. Because that's the only way to control the energy. Otherwise, if you leave it in the corner of your house, you throw it up in the top of your closet, it's still, that's it, not going to change anything. It's still going to be, whatever's attached to that, still going to be active. Oh, Definitely. 
just like here's the thing. If you guys, you know, a lot of people like to go to yard sales out there. I mean, who doesn't? Good cheap deals. If you're at a yard sale and, and you, you pick something up, and for some reason it kind of gives you bad vibes or it just doesn't feel right in your hand, don't buy it. Because nine times out of ten, there's going to be something attached to it. And it may, it may be something that's, that's negative for you, or it wasn't negative for the home, you know, for the original people that had it. But, I mean, go with your gut. If you, if you pick something up and you're looking at something that doesn't feel right in your hand, just walk away. That's right. I think that's just good advice for for anything. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. You don't want to bring stuff like that into your house. No. You know, and, and the truth of the matter is, like I said, whatever this is or whoever it is may have liked the other family. You don't know, right? It may be some of those situations where it didn't bother the other family, yet there's something about you or something that it doesn't particularly like, and you take that home with you. Good luck with that. Because then you're going to have right. activity in your house over this object. So, I mean, That's it's just something to watch right. out for. But then you get the guys, you know, and I have good friends that are debunkers. And, you know, they'll tell you, oh, no, it's all in your head. It's all in your head. But, I mean, I think, I think, yeah, I, I love people like that. I love people to tell me logical stuff. It helps me figure out investigations and stuff. But on the other hand, there are legitimate pieces that can be called haunted, you know, haunted dolls. The reports like Robert the Doll and a few others, you know, there, there's stuff like that all over the place. If you go on eBay and you type in haunted objects, you will find thousands and thousands of, of objects that people are trying to sell that, that they claim are haunted. <laughs> no, thank you. And there's actually, you know, people in this population that, that we live in here in the U.S. who would buy that stuff because they just want to say, oh, I have a haunted object in my house. It's all fine and dandy till whatever that is, you know, the science that doesn't like you. And That's then all right. of a sudden you've got all kinds of crap going on in your house. You know? So, Karen, you know, if somebody has a haunted object, it gets removed by, say, a paranormal team. They ship to John's office, because that's what I do. Uh, you know, he can have them. He can have them for his museum, as far as I'm concerned. How do you how do you deal with the family after that, you know, as a psychic, and say, look, you know, this thing, whatever this object is, was haunted. How do you get a family to get past the activity that happened, you know, connected to that object? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, a lot of the times when we're on cases just, you know, dealing with, with, with ghosts, you know, we tell people, especially if it's been something that hasn't been so nice, and I know it's hard for people, but, you know, the first thing out of our mouths is, well, from here on in, you can't think about this, because if you think about it, you're going to draw that energy back in. And sometimes people do. So I'm just wondering, you know, if it works the same way with haunted objects. Hey, don't think about that thing. I know you like the rock. I know it was pretty, but, you know, you don't have it anymore. Don't think about this because you just might draw that thing in, you know, back into your house. Right. So it's something to watch out for. But if a team comes out and they say, hey, don't think about this. And it's hard. I mean, if you've been, if you've seen apparitions in your house that aren't so nice and stuff, it's scary. Okay, or maybe they're they're tickling your baby, or maybe they're tickling you at night, or whatever. It's an uncomfortable feeling, and I, and I understand how hard that is when you know when we come out and say, okay, we you know we've done a cleansing on the house now. You know, don't think about this, or you'll draw it back in. 
You know, a lot of mm-hmm. times people will draw it back in because maybe you saw this thing in a certain position in your house standing in the corner, and you're always forever going to look at that corner. And what what's going to happen? You're going to see that thing standing there even though it's not there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, that's just human nature. That is so true, Charlotte. Well, we just blew through an hour. I can't believe it. It always it's Friday. goes so yeah. fast. Yes. And uh, Sunday, of course, I'll be back reading um, from the Lizzie Borden book. Probably another week or two on that. And then we'll be shifting into some 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 creepy Christmas tales. And uh, so, that, so that'll be fun. In the meantime, um, Monday is an open thing as far as an open schedule as far as guests. Where I should have somebody lined up by the end of the weekend. But we got a great full roster. Other than that, there's a great full roster of guests next week. So you guys need you guys should tune in. And I think next week I'm going to have an early show too because I have a, a gentleman that requested I go earlier than 6:30 p.m. Pacific. So watch out for that because you always got to watch those. But I'm so glad you all came. I saw a lot. I saw a bunch of people in the chat room. George, thank you for the like. I appreciate it, my good friend George. And uh, I, I really appreciate each and every one of you for following us as long as you have. There's some. There's been some good shows, and there's been some clunkers. There's me playing a relic today when I hit the wrong button, that kind of thing that, that went on. But, I mean, mm-hmm. for the most part, you all have been very dedicated to this show and sharing it and doing all that stuff, and I really appreciate it. People over at the, on, the, on the RSS feed, you know, the, the podcast, uh, iHeartRadio and all those places, I appreciate each and every one of you as well for being listeners. And I hope, this can, I hope we can continue to do that. Um, that being said, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show... Share it with five of your enemies. Uh, like I said, we're just trying to build up our presence, and it's, it's working. And then the more you share, the better it gets. And then, like I said, I'm, I'm really excited for the future of the show, and uh, hopefully you guys will continue to be a part of that. All right? Well, anyway, I will see you Sunday at 6.30 p.m. Sorry, 6 p.m. Pacific on Sunday with uh, the history and haunting of Lizzie Borden, and we'll read another hour out of that. And then we'll start oh, the weekend. That hopefully I'll have I'm sorry, Charlotte. I interrupted. No, that's okay. as usual. no go ahead. That's fine. I go remember ahead. when I when I was a kid, I watched that movie with Elizabeth Montgomery. Yes. Oh, it scared me to death. Absolutely. You know, she played it so well. I, I went to Massachusetts when I was 13 years old. Um, my ancestors did not come over on the Mayflower, but um, I was lucky enough to go on the Mayflower and. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I wanted to do was go by the Lizzie Borden house, but <laughs> we, we didn't go. <laughs> the family I was staying with did not take us <laughs> to the Lizzie Borden house. That's on my gift list. You know, what am I like? What's it called? The bucket list? That's what my, my bucket list items is to go there. Someday. 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 All right, guys. I'm going to let you go, and I want you all to have a great evening and a great weekend. I will see you Sunday at 6 p.m. Pacific, and hopefully I'll have thy last booking done, which will be Monday for the week for next week. But thank you all for coming tonight, and I will see you guys tomorrow.